Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, we're going to go, on, go ahead and move on into Family 101. We're in the second part of this series, and we're going to look at the reality of blended and extended families. God has used many blended families to advance the kingdom of God over the years, and we find that uh, from some of the earlier families uh, yeah, that, were, that were working to serve the Lord. And even though they had many struggles and had unique dynamics, and because we know that not every family is perfect, uh, at least I, I know that mine isn't, so I'm guessing yours isn't either. Uh, and so there's all these dynamics. But one of the oldest families was Abraham and Sarah. They started out as Abram and Sarai. But you look at their life, and they're over in Genesis chapter 12 to, to 25. We're not going to go through all that. But if you look at Abraham's life, he really had some struggles with the mistakes that he had made in his life. And he stepped away from God's plan, and he had a child with a lady named Hagar, and Ishmael was that child, and that, that child was not a bad kid. It wasn't about him. He did nothing wrong, but he faced a battle because of someone else's mistakes, because of uh, uh, their mistakes, and this ended up being a, the early family where jealousy caused Abraham's wife, Sarah, to, to push Hagar away with Ishmael and all the stuff that went along with that. That was a real life with real pain. But blended families aren't new. They're as old as Abraham. Yet it was through Abraham that somehow God brought redemption in there, that God turned things around and used him to be a blessing through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God intended marriage to be a till, till death do you part, till death do us part, a covenant. And that's what it was from the very beginning. Yet things can happen which make, make dysfunctional families a reality even in the church. It's just, it's a, it's a reality in the world that we live and, and it affects people and people are the culprits, right? Because we're the people. And an unexpected loss can cause upheaval in our families with loss sometimes, not always, but sometimes comes remarriage and, and the blending of a family. And so there's different things like this happen, and many have experienced this. Uh, Jody and I have experienced that in some sense. We are a blended family, right? Uh, and so many of you know our story. I was a single missionary serving in West Africa and came back to the United States and went to SAGU to finish my degree there. And and uh, got there, and uh, Jody was a uh, missionary serving with her faithful, faithful husband, Chris, and they were serving in West Africa, and, and then as pastors in East Africa, and East Texas, <laughs> East Africa, East Texas, yeah, a little difference. <laughs> so, and, and of course, in his early 30s, Chris passed away from a quick illness, and uh, they had two young boys together, so once Jody and I uh, Matt and later married, I, I became an instant dad. And uh, so I, I had to uh, get an instant education, and it's uh, just part of it. Then we, then we added a wonderful daughter on top of that as well to our blended family. After Jody and I had met in, at Southwestern in Waxahachie, we, we had started dating and became serious. We had to step back and we had to talk about blending our family. 
So how, how do we deal with those facts that she had been married for 11 years and she had lived a life with a family uh, before we were married? And she had uh, uh, Chris's extended family as well, and the boys, that was their family, right? And so, and I had obligation to, the, to make sure that there was a connection there. And every family has to work out those kind of details because every situation and every scenario is different. You have to be able to talk them through. Communication is a very important tool that all of us have. And I and I told Jody it was fine for her to be able to talk about Chris around me. I was okay with that. Uh, and I had to become okay with that. Let's say it that way, right? I, I recognized the reality uh, to do that. And, and I had to come to the point where that wasn't an issue with me. And I needed to let her to relate to her past. And I know that every situation is different. And each family actually has different dynamics and must work through those things and talk about it because sometimes it's a, it's a divorce uh, or it could be a loss. It depends on the situation. I guarantee it will not be a one-time conversation. It will not be one time. And healthy relationships, even those that are in the process of healing, they, they, uh, they take work. And today we're going to look at the model of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And I know that it's kind of unique in using them, uh, 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 their scenario, but I think it really is a proper scenario for us to understand a few things. And sometimes we look at it as such a high and separate, holy thing, it's separate, that we don't think about the, the humanity that's involved in there. And I think that's why God did things the way he did, because it relates to people. And so we're going to look at them just a little bit. We want to consider some practical, uh, some practical real-world ideas in dealing with contemporary blended families. While some examples really are framed out from a biblical perspective, we must not forget that even Jesus faced some social awkwardness uh, that can arise from being in a blended family. In, in, Mark, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, the scripture says this, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And I know there's several, some things going on here. We understand. He's coming back to the hometown. But it is possible that calling Jesus the son of Mary may have been an insult. Now, it may have been simply because Joseph has passed away at this point. We don't know. But, but it's possible they were using that also for an insult, insult because Joseph wasn't his biological dad. So Jesus felt the pain of family, and he felt the pain of other people's responses. And when, when you get married, you, you gain a family without a guidebook. That's just the reality. And, and our family culture clashes with the other family culture. And out of those two families, you're uh, attempting to make one new family, right? Isn't that kind of what happens? Uh, and you're blending the two together, and sometimes what we expect uh, to have is not what we get. We call it unrealistic expectations. That, that's just the reality, but it's not just in marriage or family relationships, but it, it goes across the board. We all have expectations of how we think something should go, and it doesn't always work the way we want it to. In fact, uh, your family may be like oil and water. They just don't mix well together, right? 
It's like oil and water. You put it, you put it in a bowl, right? And you take a blender and you... And what happens? You let it sit there for a second and it still separates again. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's kind of the nature of the deal. And so our expectations may be high, but we may simply need to adjust the way we view how the family will mix. And so the, this reality isn't a, it's, isn't a message on marriage, really, although blended families are part of it. You're, you're likely part of a blended family, and uh, if not, the likelihood is that you have relations that are blended. Uh, it's a guarantee that you have friends or co-workers who have blended families. Uh, does, does it have an impact on you? Yes, it does. You know, like for, for myself, my, my parents are, are still together. They're like 85. And uh, they have been married for 60-some years. What, 65? I think it's 65 years, something like that. And so I'm grateful for that background. I'm grateful for that. But the reality is, is in the world that we're in, not everybody is in that situation it does have an impact on us, if you believe it or not, that uh, we have others that are blended around us. Let's look at this first. Let's look at this whole scenario here in, Ma uh, in Ma Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So Joseph responds to his bl blended family situation. So Joseph actually ends up accepting Jesus as his own child, his own son. And this is what it says in uh, verse 18. Now, try not to get in the mode of Christmas, because it's easy to do that when you read this passage, but that's not what we're doing here. So this is how the birth of Jesus, it is almost Thanksgiving, right? We're not there yet. Uh, now, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And we know this story. Uh, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful uh, to the law, uh, the word of God, he, uh, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's what he could have done and move on. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, so he was thinking about it. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then in verse 24, it says this. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Uh, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So you see, he followed through on this. Joseph followed through. Now, he, he had the option not to follow through, right? Some people would say, no, no, he didn't, no, no, he had the option to not follow through with this. I seriously believe that because otherwise I don't think, yeah, just that's the way I've, I really feel like the Lord sets it up that way because he puts us, puts us in situations as humans and he's trying to relate to us. Now, the, there's, there's a few things here we're going to look at out of that. Uh, the first one is, is Joseph honored and he respected his family. And that's crucial 
That's crucial for sure. There, there are, uh, we're talking about this unique one-time event in, uh, of Jesus' arrival. But from this, we can learn how Joseph responded to God in this situation of blending a family together. And he showed honor and respect for Mary and the child. He understood that God required him to take care of Jesus, who was not his biological son. That's what God was asking him to do. And just because a child in your family may not be your child or grandchild does not mean that you can ignore them or turn them away. Embrace them, honor and respect them. Do your best. And the second thing here is that Joseph had a deep faith in following God's will. He could have just left Mary fending for herself. That would have been the easy road for him. He could have run down that pathway so, in fact, the rest of the people in his time would have probably told him, you have the right to leave, so do it. Why would you put yourself in this situation? Uh, and, uh, but, but Joseph was committed. Are, are you willing to stay committed when things get tough? That, that's important, and they will get tough. There's no question about it, right? That's part of life. Because we're all human beings and we walk through things in this life. We have to uh, be committed when times get tough. You, and you have to be able to walk through things. And if you get to the place where it seems like you can't talk through it, get someone to help you. And that's what counseling is for. Counseling is a, it's a good and a wonderful tool to be able to help people to walk through things and to be able to work through things. And counseling can even show your commitment. And so we see Joseph go on here, uh, and uh, we see that he also makes some great sacrifices. And he had to have battled some, self, some selfish feelings. You know that. Uh, they, they had to have battled that. And we, we should be willing to serve as a family. We should be willing to serve one another. We need to battle the selfish feelings that keep our families from thriving because those things can keep us uh, from thriving. And you, you may not be married and you may not have to battle it by reminding yourself, I need to, but, but you have to remind yourself, maybe you have to go to that family reunion. Like, oh, I don't want to go there because I'm going to have to see so-and-so and so-and-so. And this person's going to kiss me on the cheek and that person's going to kick me. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how this is going to go, but then you have to remind yourself, I still need to be able to go to this thing because it's important. Because family is important. It doesn't mean it's easy, right? We all have, all have families to some level and some situation and none of them are perfect. And so, we, yeah. Or maybe you need to see a family member that you haven't seen for a while, even though it's a sacrifice, so you need to do it. Fourth thing here out of this is that Joseph also had patience. Uh, I can't imagine his patience in the situation that he was in, right? Uh, and uh, so this process of blending takes time. It takes time, and he had to wait out for this child uh, to be born and to start his own biological family. He had to be uh, patient to work with a son that was not his own, but he did. He was called a carpenter, right? Uh, his dad, his dad, his, not his biological, but, but his uh, indirectly his biological dad, God, would have taught him through, the, through, his, uh, uh, through Joseph, right? But Joseph actually taught him how to be a carpenter, probably. 
That's what would have happened. He had to have the patience to work with this son. He, he loved him and even presented him at the temple. We know that. The scripture speaks of that. And, and then we learn from Joseph's patience. So the fifth thing is on that part is this. And then Joseph shows great, uh, great results are possible through a blended family. God's a re- God is redemptive. Even for Abraham and his situation, Abraham really messed up. And he's the father of the faith. He really messed up. But he's the father of the faith. And God was redemptive through him and his life. Every, every, the very son Joseph has uh, had patience with becomes, this very son has become the savior of the world. To go, excuse me, to go to the cross for us. See, most scholars would say that Joseph had died by the time that Jesus started his ministry. So Joseph may have never seen what, uh, seen what that Jesus has died and that he uh, raised from the grave and he saw and he started all the things he did. He started the ministry and the wonderful things. He, he may have never seen that. He simply taught Jesus honor and respect and commitment and sacrifice and patience. Even, even though Joseph may, may not have seen these things, uh, he may not have seen of the deliverance that Jesus brought for us. But those results were still there. He invested in his life. He invested in him. Your faithful response to your blended and extended family can have an impact on your community. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, if you're single or, you, or you're a spouse, you can have a great impact on others around you. Even as part of the church family, you can be a person of great encouragement to those who need others to come beside them to remind them that you can make it. Let's look over some, uh, some of these real points, these, these reminders that can be helpful. These are real-world points for us, uh, and these are practical things that we need to apply in our lives as we're blending it. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, it says this, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, and uh, he's dealing with some, some rough people at this point, he says, every, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided itself will not stand. See, families must try their, their best to work at being on the same page. We have to do our best at that to try to be on the same page. And that does take some work. If we aren't on the same page, it makes it difficult for us. And remember, this is something that we have to work at. And the first thing here is, and these real world points is this, put, put God first. Establish a spiritual foundation. We, we know that. That's why we're here, right? We know that. Put, the, put God first and establish a spiritual foundation. You do your best to build a strong base of being first a person of faith and second a family of faith. Because a person has to be a person of faith to create or to form a family of faith. And we, uh, to, ha- to have a healthy family, you have to work towards becoming a healthy person. Each, each one of us have to work towards that. Like I mentioned, when we started this, this series, we need to keep God at the top of our family. We need to keep Him as the focus so that He holds things together when we go down His pathway and we follow Him. We need that. We need Him at the top 
of our lives. You, you may not be able to get other people to apply it to their lives, but you can assure at least try to apply God's word to your own life. For the next real world point on blended families, consider this love permeates. Love goes through so many things. Love breaks through barriers. Love really helps and ministers to other people. Let children have and love both parents. If that, person, if that parent is still around or not. If anyone needs grace, children do in blended families. It's a reality. They didn't ask for the change. It's usually something totally out of their control, whether it, what, in whichever way it happened. They need to know that they are loved, and they need to know that they are cared for. Number three is put order in first place. Discuss boundaries. Talk about those things uh, and consequences in a family. We have to walk through those things to try to keep boundaries, and uh, that's just normal. Uh, spouses need to talk about discipline in advance, and throughout the years, the kids are in the house. They need to consider what's fair and reasonable for consequences for, for the kids' actions. And as kids are a little older, you can even talk with the kids about what is uh, a fair consequence for them for some of the actions they have taken. We, we walk through these things. It's, it's real life, right? The, and this is where a parent, uh, uh, the parent or the acting parent needs to take on a teaching role. How can, we, how can they learn unless we help them learn? I mean, we want to be able to help them learn how to be able to live out life and, and let them know that you're available for them. Kids need to be able to talk through things with their family. And here's where the parents need patience and direction. Uh, if, if it's good for a blended family, likely it's going to be good for a natural nuclear family. The fourth thing is this, is value unity. Honor them first and then obey second. See, the person is more important than the rule. Does anybody like that one? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, this is my rule. Well, the, actually, the person is more important than rule. the rule. And we actually learned that from Jesus, didn't we? Because how many times did, did he really give the, the religious teachers and leaders of the day a hard time? Because they were so hard on the rule that they missed out on loving people. They didn't really care about the people as much as they cared about the rule. So that, that's one of those things that we have to work at. And that, the, the person is more important than the rule. It doesn't mean that we throw out the rules at home. Jesus didn't throw out the rules either. Sometimes people misunderstand him, but, but he didn't really throw out the rules either. He extended some grace. That's what he did. And the, the rule is there to be a guide. And in a blended family, you have to learn to honor parents. And those acting in a parental role must also learn to build respect. And part of that, uh, part of that is just living out and interacting and engaging one another. You build respect. Another, the fifth uh, real-world point is this, be consistent. Be consistent. Follow through with your word. Don't promise when you know you can't make good on a promise. Hey, we're, we're going to go to the beach this weekend. I don't know. Where do we have a beach here? <laughs> Lake Shawnee, right? We're going to go to the beach this weekend. And you know you have a conference or you know you have to work that weekend. 
That doesn't work, does it? You can't, you can't do that. We have to be consistent. And sure, people mess up, yeah, and we have to extend grace in those times when things get a little hectic and, and things come along and, and, and get in the way. But be consistent, give grace, and strive to live uh, in it and uh, point family members to God's best. We all can mess up in our families and we, we, we uh, say a sharp word or we, we don't notice something that's important to another uh, family member. Have you ever done that? Or is it just me? Have you ever done that? You missed out on something. Maybe you missed out on Valentine's Day. I don't know. I guess you guys haven't. I don't think I have. Oh, she said no. So I guess I'm okay on that one. I probably missed other things. We all mess up, right? Not only, uh, we not only care for our immediate family if it's blended, but we care for our extended family as well. We all have extended family one way or the other, right? We do. It's just, it's part of living. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're, even if you're single, you still have extended family. It does not matter. Uh, and, but we see some things here about extended family. Uh, and, and 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, quite interesting verse. Uh, it says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a strong statement, isn't it? And in our, the world we live in right now, I don't know if they like that verse, but it's, it is a strong statement. And I, sure, I know there's responsibility involved, but too, for all sides. But Paul writes this to Timothy, who is the local pastor at Ephesus. And, and he says this and a few other things. But what, what about the sometimes contentious subject of in-laws? That's really the fun one, isn't it? Don't you like? Some people choose to try to make sure that that, that goes well with them. They say, in love. Uh, they do that, and, and so I think we can learn something from a situation that the Apostle Peter was in. And this is one of those situations where we don't talk, out, talk about from this angle, and, uh, but, but Peter, he was in a situation, and he, he wasn't teaching about, uh, uh, about in-laws. It was actually a healing that takes place there. And, uh, and we find something important out of this. I, I, I believe it can relate to us. In, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 and 15, it says this. When Jesus uh, came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. Now, most of us say, that is a miracle, that is cool, that is awesome, God, and, we, and that's true. That is what that is, and that is awesome, and we thank God for that. But, but the point for us today is that Peter and his wife took care of the needs of his mother-in-law. They said Peter's house. It may, it may not look, uh, look the same today as what it does because of the world we, uh, we are living in has changed quite a bit and how, fu how it functions, but... She was actually cared for by them. We, we know that. In fact, it's quite interesting because if you look over in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 4, verse 38, here's the doctor, Luke the doctor. Uh, he writes this. He said, Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. 
We don't usually think about that, but so Luke is just saying it from another angle. Hey, this is what we know about the situation. So she, she's struggling, she's sick, and so what do they do? They reach out to help her. They advocated for her care. She was Peter's extended family. Peter's mother, the outspoken guy. I wonder if they, I wonder if they ever bumped heads. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe she was very nice. I, I have no idea. Scripture doesn't say a thing. But we know Peter, and we know if Peter was involved in it, he probably bumped heads. And so in this situation, though, they, they advocated for her care. They, they tried to take care of her. And she was Peter's extended family. What about other extended family, like cousins and aunts and uncles and all those? It's, uh, the, the Apostle Paul had his share of run-ins. We know that, right? For other extended family, we see if you go back into First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and then he goes along and brings it to the household. Uh, so, uh, and he says there, it's worse than an unbeliever. It's pretty tough. In other words, we need to, whatever that looks like, we have to work those situations out according to our conscience, right? Each family has to do that according to your conscience and the situation that you're in. And not every family is going to look the same because we're all so different. But we have to be able to find out the way that it works for us and to love one another and to care for one another the best we can. So the Apostle Paul, he had some run-ins with family, like uh, the argument with him and, and uh, uh, Barnabas, who was, uh, who was a mentor, who mentored him, and John Mark. And, but this is what Paul later said over in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And he says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He's like, hey, we need to be able to live at peace with each other. We must. We have to find ways to get along with family, find a way to live at peace the best we can. Well, the fact is none of us are perfect, right? And because of that, because we struggle with imperfection, uh, that, then we can cause problems that sometimes or just because we live in this fallen world, uh, things can crop up. And we have to find ways to get along. We have to be able to model unconditional love. Love your, love your family and set the example. Easier said than done, isn't it? But we love your family and set the example. We see it here in what uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in, humil in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you... Uh, to the interest of the uh, of the others, this mean, this means we don't show love to others. Uh, it means that we show love to others and even show them our preference at times. Uh, for our children, it, it doesn't mean that we can uh, give in to their whims. Uh, they they still need to learn responsibility, right? And we we but we give them a chance. We give them opportunity. Build in your family a, a better perspective. Some people simply live for now. That's a challenge, right? We live in a world like that. Everybody's now. We want everything now. And because we want it now, sometimes we can become de demanding. Or, or we, maybe our, our expectations may be much higher than what they really should be because 
life doesn't always move fast in some ways. Other ways it moves really fast, other ways it moves slower. And so we have to be able to work with one another, build a good family perspective. They need someone who is willing to teach them to live for the long game. Right now we live in a world that really needs to learn how to live for the long game. See, we're in the game of life for the long term, not for a day. One day is here and gone, you know. That's, we need to be in this thing for the long term. And, you know, you, you may say, well, you know, how, how, my, how I got to this position that I'm in is because of all these things. And, yeah, we have to be able to work through that and let that set to the past and move forward from here. Uh, not only we are, we are in the game of life for a lifetime, not for a day. This not only goes for something that, uh, for, for uh, meeting their natural needs, it also, uh, uh, it also reminds us that we must help others to live for the long game in the spiritual sense. It's not just the natural things, right? It's also for the spiritual things in our lives. Remind them not to burn bridges. Someday you may need that person that you're upset with at that moment. They, they may, may end up buying out your company and become your boss. Uh, and, and later you're, you're working for them and then you ask, have to ask them for help, right? I know this isn't the raw, raw, exciting message. I'm not going to stand up here and do cartwheels. But God still extends his blended family. He's still extending it. He's still forming it. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it tells us this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that, that is what we are. The greatest blended family is this family we call the church. And we're from, we're from every walk of life, every different background, every different area in our world. We are just all different kinds of people. And I love that. I thank God for that diversity because that's the way heaven is going to be. Every language, every ethnic group, every... I enjoy that. That's a wonderful thing. And that is what the body of Christ is about. We're still growing. We're still growing. And we can learn from each other. And sure, we, we have different ideas at times, but we, we, we can still learn and see that God the Father has called us to be adopted into His family to be His kids. You are His kid. If you put your faith in Him, you're His kid. And you have a wonderful opportunity to serve him and to be a blessing to the world that you live in. We're all a bunch of broken people with a healing savior who is willing to work in our lives and to restore us, to bring us together and to see his restoration take place in our lives, to blend our lives, to restore our lives, to give us hope. It was and is the great love that God could love us and want to forgive us. It's a wonderful thing that he wanted to show us his love and forgive us and to call us his own sons and daughters. For those of us 
who know that forgiveness, who believe it, we have a hope that no one else could give to us except for that hope that Jesus has offered to us. For those of us that don't know the blessing of forgiveness, you can receive that and become a daughter or a son of God and a child of God by putting your faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I don't know where every individual is in this house. I don't know what their situation is. I don't know what their, how their walk is with you, but Father, I ask you, Lord God, that you would put your hands upon their lives, Lord. Maybe they haven't come to that place where they have really put their faith and their trust in you. Maybe they're still contemplating, do I want to walk this direction? Do I want to put my hope in Jesus? Father, I pray that you would open their heart that they may see the reality that you are the one who heals. You are the one that gives hope. You are the one that forgives us of our sins and that gives us an eternity together with you. Father, I pray for those that may have felt like they've lost all hope and they're not sure how things can blend together in their lives. I pray that, Father God, that you would give them clarity of thought, clarity in their hearts, and recognize that you have a plan for their life. Father, your plan for them is for good. It's not for all the junk and the evil around us. It's for good because you love them and you want them for yourself. Father God, for those who need healing in their life, healing in their family, I pray that you would step out and reach out your hand to bring healing in them and that you may fill them up with your grace again, that they may recognize your love for them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength that you provide for us. And we open ourselves up to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.